It's the Asian Boxing Podcast. Scott and Colin. Scott, we were treated again by Kosei Tanaka this past weekend as he took on Ryochi Taguchi and he put another tally in the win column. Although it was an exciting fight, even though it might have been a little one sided, it was exciting. Yeah. You've got to give all the credit there to Taguchi for having the heart to continue. I thought after round six or seven, he was getting stopped. He looked spent. He looked like he had no answer, but gutsy performance. Refused to go down, refused to back off. <laughs> he was used to punching back at times where Tanaka excelled again. He, uh, he's quickly becoming one of the most TV-friendly fighters in the planet. Do you think Tanaka uh, maybe didn't box as well as he could have and, and stood there in the middle of the ring to entertain fans uh, because I think there are many times where he really looked like he was outclassing Taguchi. And then there were times where he was staying there and, and allowing himself to be hit. I think this is something we've probably seen a bit through his career. I thought he did the same times against Ryuji Hara, against Yulian Yadra. It almost cost him against Rick Saludar. It almost cost him against um, the Thai Chaffee for uh, whose name? Uh, Palangpo. It seems to be one of his things is to perhaps entertain more than dazzle. I'm all for it. I really am a, as a fighting fan. I think it, it kind of brings me back to, you know, the fighters of the last generation and even newer fighters like an Eric Morales when he was beating Pacquiao and then switched to Southpaw. And decided to wow the crowd that way and kind of risk it in the 12th round. I love that style. Maybe it's not the most um, career-friendly style because Tanaka seems to me like, you know, he's just going to take some beatings in there, but uh, ultimately come out with victories. Yeah, it's. I think we mentioned this last week. It's probably about trying to raise his profile as quickly as it, he can. And to do that, you need to put on a show. You can't just box safely. If you're a charismatic or arrogant asshole, you perhaps get away with it. Tanaka hasn't got that nastiness. Ignorant Broner. Yeah, ignorant Broner, uh, Floyd Mayweather, talented, but very dull. Um, with Tanaka, you get the exact opposite. You get excitement, you get action. Not the big popularity yet, but it is growing. Pound for pound, where would you put him? I saw a couple of... Uh, New lists out, obviously, with Errol Spence really dominating this past weekend. He climbed up the list. I was hoping maybe in, in the Ring Magazine and their new pound-for-pound rankings, they might have Tanaka close or ESPN. I did not see him, but I rate him pretty high when it comes to the pound-for-pound list. In terms of achievement within 13 fights, I don't think you could say many of them better. Uh, but... Overall, probably in the top 20, uh, top 15, maybe at a push. It's interesting. There's five or six guys that you think they're definitely there. No argument. You have guys like uh, Canelo, anywhere. Loma, Crawford. Yeah, Uzi. there's four or five guys. Um, but then outside of that, you can have a weird 10 to 15 category with Tanaka, with Shrieska, uh with Spence. and A guy like Donnie Nietes. Yeah, exactly. Um, even Davis, perhaps, and Cobbler, perhaps, around the sort of 15 mark. Lots of guys are all sort of around that sort of, yeah, good, but yeah, not exceptional yet, but you might be in the two or three fights sort of category. 
They're close. I think a Davis is is a guy like that because he's wowed pretty much on every single bout he's been in, but uh, really doesn't have a big name yet. And I think it's going to come. But I would agree with that. I, I think Tanaka, though, I mean, you look at his resume, it's through 13 fights. It's spectacular. Uh, you kind of laughing when you talk about these American prospects being taken up and even Michael Conlon and Shaka Stevenson. It's what they're going to do in the future. Well, that's great. Tanaka's a three-weight world champion. He's 23. He's like 6-0 and or 7-9 world title fights. He's beating the likes of Saludar, beating Acosta, beating Kimura, beating Taguchi. Great. You know, can you know, join the party when you feel ready. And as we continue to sing the praises of Tanaka, let's not forget about Taguchi because he went out on his shield. Um, you could tell at the end of that fight he was completely exhausted. What do you think is next for Taguchi? Is, was this his swan song? Is he going to hang him up after this? Um, because he's taken some beatings over the course of his career. Yeah, really hard to see where he goes from this. Um, it's hard to write a guy off for losing to somebody as good as Tanaka. But when a guy's had a really long, hard career like Taguchi has, it's perhaps not far-fetched to think any loss could be his final loss. Any fight could be his last ball. It's, it's something that perhaps... We need to see him in in there with someone a bit weaker, a bit softer and easier to touch and see how he looks against them. Yeah, I would love to see him, you know, continue to fight. But also I want to see him take care of his health. I think that's the most important thing, especially uh, when we know so much about the effect that boxing has. Yes, you've already kind of stepped into the ring and, and taken a good beating, but you want to get out at the right time. And I think for Taguchi, it might be the right time. Now, CBC... We had a partnership with them here on AsianBoxing.info to show the fight. What was uh, the response, Scott, from the fans watching the fight, being able to watch it for free? The response was overall very positive. The comments we've had are that the quality is really good, the production values are really good. There was issues perhaps with the... With the way the stream was showed, the breaks in between fights, the lack of sort of clarity on what was happening, like those two rather long intermissions that perhaps could have been dis- could have been displayed better to the fans. The live stream on uh, YouTube had a live chat, and that was spammed to hell by a spam bot. There were little issues that perhaps could be sorted out going forward. Overall, the feedback was fantastic. Um, I think we had 93 people who were surveyed and only one disliked it. I'm not sure if they clicked the wrong thing. I think they did. I think they misclicked there. It was incredible. I enjoyed it immensely, Scott. And on a night where we saw a pay-per-view card that to me was not very entertaining, we got a free fight that had a, a lot of great action, a good championship bout, versus uh, the Spence-Garcia fight that we saw. Kind of one-sided, undercard, not very good. And, you know, people had to pay 75 bucks for that. So I think um, overall it was a success. Yeah, it was a success. And when you look at it, you look at... You mentioned the Spence card. What was it? Like five bouts all lasted within, you know, two rounds, three rounds for the underdog. It was, it was 
relatively pointless. And then you had a bout on this Tanaka card with Yushi Tanaka versus Yong- Yogu Yu. That was eight rounds of brilliance. It was exciting. It was fantastic. Tanaka had to pull himself off the canvas to earn a draw with you. That was really fun. Uh, then you, yeah, like, something that was free is much better than the paid version, should we say. We also got to see Kento Hatanaka fight for the WBC Youth Flyweight title. He was impressive as well. Yeah, he made his first defense of that title and did so in style against, if we're being honest, a tie who came there to win. Foyam hasn't got a great record, but he wasn't there to lose. He genuinely came thinking he could beat Hatanaka, and it made for a fantastic fight. Yeah, that's what you want to see. You want to see two evenly matched opponents, and they weren't evenly, evenly matched, but it still made for fun, exciting action throughout the entire card. It was early for a lot of us, but I had no problem um, staying up a little later. I Did I wake up early? Yeah, I woke up early. I, I think I went to bed extremely late. I mean, extremely early and then woke up early and was able to catch the fights. And I think it was uh, completely worth it. Now, with this partnership with CBC, Scott, do you see um, Asian boxing moving forward with them and showing more fights? And also... What's the possibility of picking up um, maybe another network like a TBS to help stream fights to us here in, in overseas? CBC is actually an affiliate of TBS. So at the moment, it's looking unlikely we'll get TBS's content, but we will hopefully continue with CBC and their, you know, their partnership, which has now spurred a couple of fights. We are looking into contacting Osaka TV, uh, TKU and a couple of Thai TV channels, but most of the Thai content is actually free on free anyway, so there's a bit of a debate as to whether or not that's worth doing. Uh, the Korean market is one we're interested in approaching as well. But. There's a lot of different avenues and, and paths that, that uh, we can go on. Yeah, certainly there's so many channels out there that are actually showing boxing. Uh, we think it's impressive what the US is doing with Dazon, ESPN, and Fox, um, and Showtime. If you look right across Asia, there's so many different avenues with Kazakh TV, Uzbek TV, uh, channels in Korea, Thailand, China, uh, Philippines. We've got a card this this coming weekend that would have been great if we could have got it. We've not got a cat in chance, but there's so many different countries playing so much content that we keep asking and eventually we'll start to get more and more and potentially give bigger avenues to more fighters. Really is exciting. Uh, for asianboxing.info what you've built scott and again thank you for uh, allowing us to to watch it and thanks to cbc for making that live stream available for free Uh, it really is amazing a massive flyweight title where we got to see one of the best in the business kosei tanaka what's next for kosei tanaka um is he going to stay at flyweight continue to defend his title i know there was talks about him possibly moving up to super flyweight um maybe fighting against ioka what's next for him prior to the bout with taguchi he and kiyoshi hatanaka his sort of mentor manager promoter spoke about potentially moving up to super flyweight next year to fight ioka for the wbo title if of course ioka beats Polik taylor this year for the belt uh short term the plans are pretty open they mentioned a possible rematch with kimura or um unification battle like this year but there are no set plans um 
by the time they had the press conference to announce it, they literally went, it was 12 hours ago since we had the fight. We're going to take our time, but we have got things in, um, available to us. There is all these options, but we haven't decided yet. The fight's only just been. Yeah, I think it's you have to give him time to recover. Uh, it's not like he came out unscathed, and they probably have to think about their options. But uh, wherever he fights, whatever weight class, whoever it's against, I know I'm going to be there to watch it. Yeah, you also got to consider that a lot of the champions now have got mandatory title belts uh, in the division as well. So you got Delakian and Mithalan, they both have mandatories coming up. Flyweight is just strong. I mean, I think it's one of the strongest weight classes in all of boxing right now. It's an interesting division. Uh, I personally would say that the one directly below is stronger by quite a margin. But Flyweight is probably the more interesting division in lots of ways, and that the champions are right across sort of the world. You know, South African, a Japanese, a Ukrainian, and an Englishman at the top. And that makes it an interesting mix as opposed to perhaps like flyweight where there's no European influence at all. I'm glad you mentioned light flyweight because I was on Twitter and I saw some big boxing analyst talk about how he thought 105 and 108 were some of the weaker weight classes when it came to competition. I wanted to reply because I, I, I was thinking, man, 108, that's stacked. 108 is just insane right now. I actually go as far as say 105 might be as strong as it's ever been, but 108 is just in, incredible. You could put 10 to 15 guys together and it was great balance. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe that comment. But then again, not a lot of people follow the lighter weight classes, so I understood. But you probably shouldn't speak on that if you don't follow it. Especially you not know, if it's your profession is to follow the sport. And if you're not aware of who Hiroto Kayaguchi, Felix Alvarado, Carlos Canazas, Ken Shiro, Angela Costa, Ange- Jonathan Takanen, Tetsuya Hisada, Hisada, Edward, Edward. The goes you know. on and on and on. And you've got everything there. You've got power punches like Alvarado, you've got slick skull fighters like Jing Yang, you've got warriors like Kanishi. You've got fighters from Cuba like Daniel Martellon making a mark. Yeah, I can believe my eyes, but then again, I, I just I told myself, don't reply, don't say anything, be nice. That's what Twitter is for, being nice, right? That's for saying how great you are. One <laughs> or the other. One or the other. Well, nevertheless, it was a great card. It was exciting. It was free. It was on AsianBoxing.info. A couple of Asian uh, boxing cards this weekend, one from the Philippines and one from Kazakhstan. The Filipino card is a Manny Pacquiao uh, promoted card along with Ringstar Management and Sandman Promotions. And is a, it's a, it can be hard to get excited about some Filipino cards because, if we're being honest, they don't have the greatest match quality through them. This one, though, is absolutely brilliant. It's got two world title eliminators on it. It's got three or four fantastic sporting belts as well. There's a bantamweight eliminator between Michael Dasmarinas and Kenny Demisillo, which should be brilliant. It should be fantastic. Samuel Salva and Ma- Rene Marquato in a minweight uh, title eliminator for the IBF title. All these Sylvester versus Joel Tadurant. That looks like a mismatch on paper, but... Sylvester's so much fun to watch. He's a little butler. He's exciting. 
Ronnie Baldonado versus Elias Hakino. That, again, you look at the records, you don't see anything special, but the reality is both of them are fun to watch. Baldonado famously uh, took on Kosetak and let Tanaka tee up on his head, if you remember that clip. I do. Yeah, he just hit like seven or eight punches one after the other and said, <laughs> come on. Another bout on that card is uh, featuring a Chinese fighter called Li Wang fighting Abdan, uh, Adam Deu. Abdul Hamid and Wang is a former Chinese amateur standout. He's a very special talent. He's just fighting for his third time, but he could be in this sort of regional title mix by, by perhaps the end of this year. So there's a lot of talent on this card. How would one be able to watch this, uh, say, if you're in England or the United States? I wish I knew. In the past, these sorts of cars have been on TFC.TV as a bit of a sort of subscription service, a bit of a pay service. I've not seen this one available on there yet. They might pick it up. I've got a worrying feeling they won't be holding it, they won't be showing it, and it might be a delay ABS, CBN, YouTube type of feed that we end up getting, which is a real shame. There's so much talent on that card. It, it's one of those parts where... One on the card, who who do you think is the one standout guy who really could make some noise? I think Wang could certainly make some noise. I think he's very talented. The Daz Marinas versus Demi Silo winner is going to be up there for the WBSS winner eventually. Samuel Salva and Rene Mark Rene Marquato will be facing Carlos Lacona uh, for the IBF title. So Salva Quato has potentially very fun. So a lot of great fights in the Philippines. The day after that, uh, in Kazakhstan, there's also going to be a couple of um, title bouts, if you will. Um, and, of course, Kazakhstan pumping out talent left and right. Yeah, yeah it's a really interesting catch from Kazakhstan. It features Sadrudin Akhmedov versus John Ruba. Akhmedov, if you've never seen him, is a really, really, really fun Canadian-based Kazakh. He's possibly the best of the Canadian, the Kazakhs making their name in Canada. He's exciting, aggressive, very quick, very sharp, very powerful, very young, really one to watch. Possibly a better bout on that will be Edos Yabossi Newley fighting Lucas Nada Faluma. Both got sort of similar type of records. They're both rising contender types, they're both going places. Uh, Yabossi Newley is actually unbeaten with 10 0, but Neda Fuma from Namibia came over here to the UK uh, in 2017 and beat Craig Cunningham. So that's a good win on the road. He's proven that he can fight on the road. So that should be fantastic. And the unbeaten Nezelton Zangabayev is fighting Ivan Matute. Or Matute, I'm not quite sure if, if anyone wants to correct me on that one. He's a Venezuelan puncher with 23 knockout wins from 29 bouts. So a real test for the unbeaten Kazakh. It's incredible looking up and down these records for for these Kazakh pros. Um, they're flawless right now. And again, of course, as they move up and step up, uh, you know, those O's might go. But um, it really is cool to see some of these guys who are successful amateurs really be good in the pro game. Yeah, they're risking it early on. They're like Tanaka was. They're like the Japanese stars of now. They're like uh, Usyk and Lomachenko. Risk it. What's there to lose? If you pick up an early loss, so be it. But if you end up winning these early bouts, you're in title contention in your first 10, 11 bouts at the very worst. 
seems so much more exciting to actually test yourself early and go for it. It's better too. I mean, there's no need to worry about having a loss or a couple of losses on your record. Some of the best fighters in the world have losses on their record. I mean, look at Manny Pacquiao. Um, you know, he had a couple of losses uh, before he had his big shot. A guy like Sriskit Sorungvisai too. Uh, what he had three early losses in his career. So that's something where I think these Asian countries and, and other countries like uh, uh, Ukraine, they don't worry uh, uh, as much about a loss. They worry more about getting better and getting that experience and then hopefully moving up and, and you know getting that world title. I mean, look at Lomachenko. He had a loss in his second fight, and people consider him to be one of the best in the world. Um, it's just a different mindset, whereas in the United States, at least I can say, we like to protect fighters. We like to give them 20 tomato cans before they get one contender. It's been the same here for a long time. I think we've now started to see fighters turn away from that in the UK. But we still have someone like Anthony Yard, who he's a WBO number one ranked like heavyweight. He's basically saying he's the A-side against Sergei Kovalev. Where's the logic? Come on. If you want to claim you're the ASI, do something to prove it. Do something to actually earn that shot. If you start taking out all the top contenders, then you've done it. You've you know you can call some of the shots, so to speak. But being bin man and doing little to show how good you really are doesn't do you any favors when it comes to claiming you're the best, you're avoided, you're these things. The Kazakhs are going out there and they're taking taking it and ripping it away from everybody else. They're making their names, and the Uzbeks are doing the same. It's really fun to see. A lot of great boxing in Asia that uh, we're going to be excited just following along as the months and the years pass by. Also, another fight uh, on that same day in the United States, Lamont Peterson versus Sergey Libanyets. Uh, this one, uh, kind of a fight for Peterson. It might be one of his last ones. And for Libanyets, it's kind of to, to bounce back after his loss. Yeah, it's a brilliant matchup. It's one that neither guy can really afford a loss in. It's kind of weird when you look at it. Peterson's last loss was to Errol Spence, and Lippinitz's was to Mikey Garcia, and of course we saw there about went this past weekend. This is this is the the sequel to Mikey Garcia, Errol Spence. We get to see who they just beat down fight against each other. I like it. Yeah, it's, it, I like to see more often. It's not like a runners-up sort of medal. You get another good bounce as opposed to getting fed a bunch of easier competition to build yourself up. It's kind of like, no, you have to win this one. Go on, win. Yeah, it's like third place, the bronze medal, the consolation prize between Lipinets and, and Peterson. Who do, you, who do you see winning this one? I've got Lipinets. I think he's not taking the damage. He's not as old as Peterson. Peterson's had a hard, hard career. Uh, at his best, he was fantastic, but let's be honest. He's been out of the ring for a year. He's taken a lot of punishment in the last few years. It's it's hard to see what he has, and his style doesn't really equate to being a 35, 36-year-old fighter. Now, also, uh, uh, the next day after the 24th, we're going to see Juan Miguel Elorde versus Kawashima. That's going to be for the WBO Asia-Pacific Super Bantamweight title. Uh, what do you think of that one? I think that's a really interesting matchup. A lot of, I believe, is ranked number one or number two in the world by the WBO. Kawashima is not ranked by any of the world bodies, but he's a very talented fighter. He gave Christian Mahara's real fits a few years ago, 
and then got surprisingly taken out, I think it was last year, by uh, Gaku Aikawa. That was a hell of a knockout. It was on Boxing Rays, I believe. It was either on Boxing Rays or on G+, one of the sort of Japanese outlets, but it came out of nowhere, and it's really surprising to think that a guy who, a guy who ran Mahars all the way, uh, went off on the road and beat Jin Wook Lim in Korea, would get iced by a domestic gentleman like Aikawa. So again, the Philippines bringing another exciting fight, and that will be early, early next week. That's going to be Monday um, next week. So there's a lot of fights that are coming up. Uh, I think after this week, though, is really what, when it's going to heat up, especially when we move into April. Um, I know there's been some some news, Scott. Well, what do you have for us on the news front for Asian boxers? The big news, the big announcement of the week was Ryuichi Funai would indeed be facing Erwin Ankahas in early May for the IBF Super Flyweight title. Um, it's been rumoured for, well, it's not been rumoured, it has been sort of on the books for a while, but it's about taken place. And it's an interesting one. It's Funai's first bout outside of Japan. For many, it'll be the first time they've seen him. For Ankahas, it's a bounce back after a couple of disappointing performances against a guy that he'll feel comfortable beating, but can he look good? For those who haven't seen Funai, he's pretty basic, but heavy-handed. His right hand is a real knife uh, in the, knife down the throat. The problem with him is he's a bit slow, a bit inactive at times, a bit weighty, uh, doesn't really push the action very well. And Cass, of course, is very smooth when he's on his game. He's fantastic to watch. So it should be it should be interesting. I think Funai is going to try and time Ankhas, whilst Ankhas is going to use his speed, his movement, his skills to try and make Funai look third rate. And, and I kind of want to see something from Ankhas because I think he's been built as the next Manny Pacquiao, and that's I know that's an ESPN thing. And um, at least watching him over here in the states, he he's not as impressive as I thought he was going to be with, with all the talk. But he's still young, so he has time to continue to improve. Yeah, you sort of wonder if perhaps there's something missing now. Has he reached the point where his hunger's gone? Or has he started to lose something in the weight-making process? Or is there something else just perhaps on his mind? Is it a case that perhaps he needs to be back in the Philippines? He needs to be away from the cameras to shine. Yeah, do you think that he moves up maybe? Uh, that weight might be tough for him, uh, the 115? There was talk that his next bout would be at bantamweight, win or lose. He's having to lose a lot of weight to come down. Although it's weird when you sort of you compare him to some of the other super flyers, he doesn't look, you know, big at the weight. He looks strong at the weight, but he looks strong at the weight, but he doesn't look big. He doesn't look like a Polikte or a Shrisaket. It's kind of a standard size of a super flyweight. He's not muscular. He's not big. He's gonna perhaps struggle when you move up in weight. I think Funai, he's going to be a, a tough test for, for Ankahas. It's probably a tough test for pretty much anyone in the division. Uh, he's not anything special, but there's enough about him, enough power, enough news, enough boxing IQ to give people fits. Will he win a world title? Probably not. Did he belong in sort of that 5-10 to 10 sort of challenger position? Yeah, by all means. He's, he's a pretty solid fighter when he's on his game. Any any other big big things coming up, Scott? Or is is are we just quiet, all quiet along the Western Front until the month of April? 
it's probably quite until this time next week when Mishiro and Watanabe get in the ring and then it all sort of seems to just randomly take off and get suddenly very busy. The old uh, snowball got, effect. Yeah, the old snowball effect. It's Hinori Mishiro defending his title against Takuya Watanabe on Wednesday and then after that you get Ryo Takanaka in action and then you get uh, Ryoto, Yamauchi and Shokimura all at the end of the month. Kudratillo versus Kito Barrett. Yeah, I'm not going to try and pronounce Kudratillo's name for anybody listening. His surname's just a mouthful. Subasakara at the very end of the month. And then April just goes out on its, on its own, doesn't it? It's Yeah, it's like a big you know left hook or a straight right to the face uh, because you have title bout after title bout after title bout. And even the non-title bouts are fun, like Kiyosuke Tsunemoto versus Tael Atsumi, uh, Shizaku Fujinaka versus Toshiro Tarumi, Riko Kunimoto versus Shoma Fukumoto. They're all fantastic bouts at the sort of domestic and regional level. So luckily in March, I mean, at least we had Tanaka. He's given us enough action to hold us over until April. But then, yeah, when April hits, boy, are we in for a, a big treat. Uh, It's AsianBoxing.info, the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. Uh, Remember to follow us on Twitter. Where is it, Scott? How do you follow us? At AsianBoxing. It's it's nice and easy, nice and simple. It's almost telling you what you're following, isn't it? And Scott doesn't get into any Twitter fights with anyone. He he won't block you, right? I try not to. I, I, I had to block a couple of bot accounts recently for spamming me with a link that I provided. I don't know how okay. that one worked Unless out. you're a troll, he <laughs> won't block you. Not really sure how a spam account is attacking the person that set up the link they're spamming with, but that's a unique one. So it's at Asian Boxing. It's asianboxing.info and the Asian Boxing Podcast with Scott and Colin. We'll talk to you next week.